you're listening to She's Got Drive podcast, the podcast that inspires women to be the driver in their own life through the life and stories of black women with drive. And I'm your host, Shirley McAlpine. I'm a business consultant, an executive coach, and a leadership facilitator working with people and organizations to live their lives by design and not default. On one of my London trips, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Paulette Rowe at Barclays head office at Canary Wharf. And that's who I have for you this week. It was so insightful. It was so powerful. And I really enjoyed our time together. She is the most senior black woman in Barclays UK. And in terms of worldwide, there's really only just a handful of black women who are operating at her level. And as I left, I understood why she is who she is and why she's managed to climb the ladder as we say all the way up to this level in the organization and you're going to experience that for yourself as you listen to her you're going to understand what is it about her that had her get there so let me tell you something about her Paulette Rowe joined Barclays in 2012 as managing director of Barclay Card's global payment acceptance business She has a wealth of financial services and management experience, and she heads Europe's second largest acquiring business, handling over one in three payments in the UK. At the moment, she's recently been appointed to Barclays' executive committee, and she was also voted one of the top 25 most influential women in payments. I really hope that you enjoy this episode with Paulette. So thank you so much, Paulette, for being willing to participate in Guided Conversations for successful black women um, leaders and just exploring how you came to be where you are. Right. Um, uh, and, and what is it about you that has you occupied this a unique space? Because it, it is unique. Hmm. Um, unfortunately, in, you know, yeah, in terms of, yeah, yeah, unfortunately it's unique. But there's something... I'm curious about you and and your journey here and what's got you here and what keeps you here. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of exploration we're going to have today. Yeah, looking forward to it. Great, great. Do you want to, actually, could you want to start by saying a little bit about what you do here? So I currently work at at Barclays, but I run, when I say but, I'm I'm a banker, but I'm in the bank running a, a payments business. So by payments, I mean every time you use your credit card or your debit card in a shop or online in the UK, one out of three times my business is managing that transaction on behalf of the the retailer or travel company or or other that that you're using. So so we touch a lot of the UK economy, uh, whether it's shopping at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Expedia, Starbucks, we're the the technology that sits behind that that payment. Wow. And how long have you been at Barclays? I joined Barclays just over three years ago. Came in to, to, to run this business. Payments is a very exciting space. If I were giving advice to, to anyone right now, I'd say make a beeline for, for payments. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's why I actually joined. I, I really wanted to, I'd, I'd been a retail banker elsewhere, mm-hmm. but I really wanted to make that transition into the, the hot happening space. And uh, it's really worked out. So you knew that it was an expanding space and a growing space and then you, you planned for that I did move. yeah okay. unusually <laughs> I don't think often usually I'm saying I had no clue but in this particular case yes I'd, I'd, I'd been in retail banking I really enjoyed it but I had friends who'd been working in the likes of sort of PayPal you know some of these new mm. uh, payment companies that were emerging and had started to learn a little bit about it and, and felt that yeah if I sort of projected a little bit further I was going to get a little bit bored maybe mm-hmm. being in the retail banking space wanted to find something new maybe a, a fresh challenge so through my networking I had the opportunity to join Barclays great I think that's one of the things that facilitates success and what it does that look like through your networking and how do you get to the place where you have actually have a network I think I sort of happens to become a networker accidentally. I think it's a little bit of my personality. You know, I am a more of a natural extrovert. I like people. I'm interested in people. So I guess I was always more inclined to make friends and, and, and want to make friends, but also to not limit my friends to people who are like me. So even at school, I felt that, you know, I guess I was one of those kids that 
yeah, talked talk to, I, I was like the girly swat, to be honest, but I also had friends who were a little less focused on, <laughs> on their academic career. Right. And I think that's, that's just something that I, I, I kind of felt naturally. I, I was happy mixing with lots of different people. Right. But then as I went on to university and then business school, etc., I guess I, I continued to do that. So I've ended up now with a really extensive network of people. I still talk to people that I went to school with right. but I've also now got all of the friends that I've met a, a, along the way and, and friends is you know in, in the broadest uh, possible sense and funny enough just before coming to this interview and this is a really true so it's, it's very funny in terms of networking I'm having a massive problem with my neighbours and uh, in terms of some building work they're right. doing and they've gone and called in uh, a lord he'll, he'll be nameless but some peer because they thought that might might sort of frighten me but I, of course I know someone who sits in the House of Lords. So I've called my friend in the House of Lords who said, yes, of course I'll introduce you to their person. And, right. it's just, and I've just had, you know, a, a chat with him and given him my side of the story, which otherwise he would not have had. Right. So it's so interesting how having that network can help you in ways that you don't really appreciate. And, and it's something I would say, yeah, you, you have to work on. You have to remain interested in lots of people, not just the people you think can help you or you want to hang out with right right now. Right. I would imagine that some people really shy away from that. They might have met certain people along the way, but they just think, well, why, why, would, why would anyone be interested in continuing a conversation with me? And so they mm. don't even follow it up. What is it about in the first moments of getting into contact with, in that world unless you were born into that world, right? Yeah, yeah. I, that has you go, okay, that's, that's good. I'm good with that. I think with those, with all people, regardless mm. of background, sure. if you're not genuinely interested in what they have to say, I think they will see it as opportunism, right. etc. So I think that, that what you have to do is be really interested in learning a little bit more about them in, and and the best way I've found of learning about people is to share a bit more about yourself right. so I guess that that's why it's worked for me because you know I, it's not that I'm phoning up you know Baroness or Lord this every day of the week I, no. I don't but the relationships I have with people they know that they're real relationships um, even if they're only only once in a blooming conversations I'm speaking to them because I am genuinely interested in, in yeah. knowing a bit more about about them and, and kind of how they fit into the world, as it were. So it's it's quite hard to pinpoint, but I have... Um, you, your, your point is right. I know many, many people, good friends, who find it really difficult to go into that cocktail situation right. and just go chat to someone. But if it's a skill, then it's definitely one worth learning. Yeah, I know there's been times when, I mean, over the years, I've developed that skill. And yeah. it is a skill you develop, as you see, you do build it. But you, when you go into those places, it's a choice point. You think, I could either stand here for the next two hours and exactly. do absolutely nothing. Yeah. Which I have done. <laughs> <laughs> In all yeah. honesty, I have done. I, there were times when I thought, I went home and I thought, what a waste of time. What were you doing? And there are other times when I say, well, you're either going to do something or you're not, so get on with it. I, I always set myself a little bit of an objective. Right. So either... I might, if I go, I mean, this is obviously more, more now that I'm more used to it, but, yeah. you know, going to an event, if there is a list of who, who people, um, who, who's attending, taking a look at it, and, and as I said, finding something, a company or, or something that you think, oh, that might be interesting, yeah. even, even if you don't think it's going to be useful for you, just go talk to someone who you think might be interesting for whatever reason, mm -hmm. and, you know, set yourself a goal of, I won't leave until I've spoken to at least a couple of people, yes. um, and that's what I tend to do, so I've, I've turned up even more recently at events where I've just thought, <laughs> why am I here but then sort of said yeah while I am here to your point let me at least talk to a couple of people yeah. and then I feel better about okay I can leave now I've I've tried and it may or may not lead to something that is uh, you know a helpful um, new relationship mm. I, I think that's a really good tip the finding some some interest that you have some something on in the sphere versus trying to figure out who this, who's the best person to speak to and what, what difference would it make and how, exactly which distract can I think drive that's you too crazy much, and yeah. is inauthentic it's, when you're actually having the conversation and, that, and that's the key thing so you know I have had conversations with people just to say oh yeah I buy your product 
You know, something as simple as that. Oh, I've always wanted to meet someone from your company, if it's true, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to thinking, oh, now who's the person on this list that's going to be most useful for yeah. me? I mean, you want to do a little bit of that at times, but that's not the key driver. That's a great, really great tip. So then if, you, if we had to look at the word success, mm. what does it mean to you? I think success is very individual. Mm. Um, for me, it means feeling that I am fulfilling potential the potential that I have so I always talk about myself having runway <laughs> and so for long as so long as I can see runway ahead of me in terms of things that I think I can do to contribute but also to sort of demonstrate the capability that I have the talents that I have then success for me is continuing on that journey um, I may decide for myself that I've taken time out of work before for example um, that you know other things are more important family etc but you know and I define success in in broad terms not yeah. just work terms but I think it's that sense of for me of putting in what I think or being able to demonstrate the best that I can be have you always been like that I think so I mean I, I was I was fortunate in that I've always been a little bit more academic than the average so I didn't have the struggle at school that you know many kids have I didn't find it boring because I found it reasonably straight straightforward I loved books etc so going to school was more fun for me than than it often is um, but yeah I always had that sort of sense of I can do things and therefore, it's up to me to put myself in places where I get a chance to do those things, right. whatever they are. And I started off wanting to, to act. Uh, I wanted to be a performer. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Not anymore. Yeah, that's right. It's like there's a huge spectrum between acting and being in the financial service. Yeah, yeah. What was the thing that got in the way of you pursuing that? Or what, what made you decide to pursue something else? I think it's self-belief. And it's, mm. uh, you know, I was watching uh, Chris Rock on the, on the Oscars, etc. I think it's an interesting thing that um, at the time when I was thinking about performing, I was very mindful of the fact that there were very few roles for, um, you know, black artists, etc. Not as if there are lots of black people in financial services either, to be yeah, fair. But, but, you know, just sort of not being sure at that age that I was really good enough to break through mm. in terms of my performing career. Um, and so, yeah, and, and sort of making, weighing that up, I guess, and deciding that my academics perhaps outweighed my, my talents yeah. <laughs> on, the, on, the, uh, on the stage. So when did you start uh, in the financial services? Like After business schools. It was actually an accident. So, you know, coming back to what things do you plan for? Now, the bit I did plan for was I went to business school saying, I want to work in international business development. So I knew I wanted to work in lots of different markets. Right. I was always interested in all things international. I learned French at school. I actually did learn it properly at school <laughs> <laughs> and university. And, uh, and business development, because back to this liking people, I think I really liked the idea of building things and going out and talking to people and, and being commercial. And when I looked around for international business development jobs after business school, I happened to get one in a financial services company. Okay. So, that's, so that was the link. And then I enjoyed it, so I stayed. But it wasn't that I started off saying, like, who says I want to be a banker? I'm not sure. But. Yeah. <laughs> so long career in this. How many years have you, would you say, been in I've financial services? I've been in services? financial services, God. 20 plus years? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I know. Don't remind me how old I am. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> so what's been one of your biggest challenges that you've faced? I was working at uh, RBS, the Royal Bank of Scotland, and I'd been there for, I think, just over two, two and a half years, and was already in a senior role. But one of my colleagues um, resigned. He was the managing director of NatWest, the retail bank. And I had just moved jobs myself. I'd been in my new job for about eight months, I think mm -hmm. it was, or nine months. Uh, Little known to me that uh, they had a plan somewhere that said, if this guy resigns, the person that we want to put in his job is Paulette. They'd never said that to me. So I ended up where, in, in a situation where the CEO of the business came and said to me, so-and-so has resigned, and we would like you to be the new managing director of NatWest Retail Bank. And I went... 
No, thank you. And it's a funny moment in life because I really wanted to run and hide. It was such a huge challenge. To to give you a sense, I had gone from, I joined RBS, I had a team of about 300 people. I then took on this new job that I'd been in for just a few months where I had a team of about 3,000 people. Nat West was 20,000 people. And you know, my background wasn't actually branch banking and it was looking after 1,600 branches, yada, yada, yada. And it just felt really, really scary. And I said no. I tried to say no. The actual business was a massive challenge of coming into a, to, to a business where I wasn't, I, I didn't know as much as the people who worked for me. Um, I was taking over from somebody who was much loved um, and had gone to a rival bank. So, you know, it had been sort of difficult circumstances for people. It happened very quickly. He was there one day and, and, and gone the next. And then my own sort of, you know, inner demons of can I really do this? Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I did think it was very odd myself. I just thought, well, I'm not Scottish, I'm not white, and I'm not a man. How, how did I get this job? <laughs> you know? It was absolutely one of the best things I could ever have done. So you said no, and they kept asking, did they? Yeah, I mean, this all happens. Right. In, they, they literally said you've got to decide in this window. And I, they didn't want me to leave. The CEO didn't want me to leave his office before I said yes. And I said, well, I, I, I'm not going to say yes until I've had at least some space to think about right. it. So he let me go off. And, I, and I, phoned, I phoned friends and family and I said, what do you think? And they said, you'd be nuts to turn it down. Yeah. You know, better to take it and fail than to walk away from this opportunity. Right. Right. When you look at that, what did you rely on? To some extent, I relied on humility. So, you know, I went into a job that everyone knew. I'd never done this job before. (laughs) I'd never worked in the branch bank before. I hadn't been at RBS that long. So I listened a lot to my direct reports and the team around me. But also this self-belief, knowing that or, or persuading myself they wouldn't have chosen me unless they felt I could bring something to to the role and then figuring out what do I bring that's different. Yeah. So don't try and do the job the same way your predecessor did. Find your own flavour. What do you believe in? What do you see? And uh, yeah, it became, it was a great team. We worked well together. I learned a huge amount from my directs, huge. Um, but equally, I think they started to see how I could add value to what right. they were doing. And, and we had a really successful run. In the experience of delivering the work, start to see what you were bringing and what they saw in you? Or did you, like, determine a goal for yourself in the role and then started to? How did it, or was it so organic? It's hard to say. It might be a bit of both. I, don't know. I think it's a bit of both. Now, you know, with the, the nice thing about having a P&L, a profit and loss account, mm-hmm. is that, you know, you know, you've got some financial targets. And right. they were very clear. It was like, congratulations, by the way, you know. <laughs> here are the numbers and the business is already behind and you know and you know that no matter how positive they are about you if you don't deliver deliver. you you might be having a very different conversation later but um but I do have some models I guess and I've been in I've been in management long enough to have started to create some frameworks for myself so I I have looked I have read business books I have looked at leaders that I thought were doing interesting things and so you know I did go to business school so I I do have some things that I take with me Mm. uh, which is my starting point so if you're thrown in at the deep end you've got a few tools that you can you can pull together and I I knew some something about the business already I'd already been working there but yeah so I think it is a mixture of knowing that I I actually did have something to, to bring but then giving myself some time to explore not feeling that I had to come out straight away with this is the strategy, yeah. but spending time with the business, with the people who were working for me to say, right, what do you think? Where would you go? What can we fix? What can be different? And then building the story organically, as, yeah. you, as you said. Yeah. Well, that is a huge challenge. It's a lovely challenge to have, though. You know, rather that there are, there are many others that we perhaps don't, don't want to be faced with, but that's a... Yeah, that was a positive one. But in some ways, one that I could so have easily, you know, missed in in a way. Away from. Yeah, and and that was the that was my first instinct of not being worthy, not being quite 
good enough, not being really surprised, not being ready for the change as well. Um, and I think that's that's another really important thing that I, I say to people here when I um, in in my career when I'm coaching um, my directs, I say you know the problem particularly in big companies, but it's probably true of life, is these opportunities never land exactly when you want them. Yes. They are either too late or too early. And you've just got to go with both. If it's too late, you've got that frustration of potentially sitting there and and, and waiting it out. And you've got to make that judgment call as to how long is too long. But when they come early, that is equally a challenge because it's maybe a little bit before your time or a little bit before you're mentally prepared to get there. But you have to grab them. That's like coming back to your your runway. Um, Like there was someone put a runway in front of you. Yeah. It's like... Okay. Gotta go for it. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. (laughs) And if you, um, you said that you called, one of the things you did was you called your friends and your family to Mm. kind of get some ideas about, like, what do you think? What, what's your relationship between your success and your friends and family? Hmm, good question. I mean, I think from a from a family point of view, um, you know, I, I had very modest beginnings, etc. You know, sort of a bit of a sort of rags to riches story, if you if if you like. But um, the one thing that always held true was that my mother was extremely proud, still is today, and uh, she always carried herself as someone who uh, demanded respect had earned respect and so I never was tempted to you know when I was at school a lot of people talked about well it's impossible to get to university it's impossible to do this etc but we had set at home high expectations it wasn't a you will go to university or else but just more of I believe that you can do something and, you know, why, why wouldn't you do something right. with your life? Whether that would have been the acting or, or something else. So I think I always had that from, from my from my mum, the expectation that good things could and should happen. Yeah. Um, and, and with friends, um, I guess it's a mixture because I have friends from school who, you know, they're very modest beginnings. They're still relatively, you know, modest uh, now. But we've all, I think, well, the people that I'm closest to, even from, from school who don't have the, the big, you know, banking career or whatever, mm. they've, I think we've all still tried to do something that we felt was within our grasp. We've right. all sort of chased our, our, our dreams to, to an extent and uh, are still sort of quite optimistic people, even when we've had setbacks. So you're, you're surrounded by uh, the, the optimism, the future focus, to whatever that future is, I think that's whatever true. that potential is, but you're always stepping. Yeah. Your people are people who step into a potential, yeah. step into a space. They've all got a runway, basically, haven't they? I in, think so. In, that's... Within their whatever they're. Yeah, whatever. I think I think there is that optimism there of you know it's worth it. It's worth trying, as opposed to oh, what's what's the point? Yeah, yeah. I always I I um I have um my thirteen year old nephew living with me uh, right now, and um, I I say to him, don't define yourself by what you don't want to do. Define yourself by the things that you want to do you know right. by the positive not the negative it's right. really easy I could list a thousand things that I'm not prepared to do <laughs> or don't enjoy or you know yeah. don't think I'm good at but I tend not to talk about those things as much as I like to talk about the things that I am prepared to give a go yeah that's really because there's so many particularly if we look at the backgrounds that people come from where they don't have a role model ahead of them doing something in this particular sphere is um, a conversation for I don't, I can't, yeah. I'm not worthy, I don't belong. Yeah. Um, and in a space where you're the only one, or one of two, or one of three, or, you know, in, it's so easy to have that conversation with yourself. Do, have you ever had that conversation with yourself? I don't belong here. Um, well, when I, I went to university, I, definitely. When so, when I was taking my A levels, and um, you know, I, I went to a school that wasn't known for academic success. <laughs> you know, people were very focused on it, and so I pitched up wanting to do you know A levels, and so I couldn't really do them at my school. They didn't have many A levels to. <laughs> to I think they had 
social studies and, and one other. It was really right. that bad. So I ended up studying maths and physics, chemistry, um, but I went to a boys' school. I, um, I went to um, a school not too far away in, in, in the borough. Um, but it was a it was a battle, and uh, one of one of the I guess positive influences of my my mother. It's a bit of a long story, but I'll, I'll try to mm. tell it quickly. Um, we had a teacher at that school who actually I didn't think was very good and wasn't giving us the right coaching. We're getting quite close to to, to A levels, and my mum came into the school to have a word with the headmaster to see what could be done. And the headmaster of that school, this boys' school, actually came back to me later and said, "If there was a problem with this teacher, I think one of the the parents of my boys, you know, there was this sort of inference of you are not from a family where I'm going to pay any attention. You know, why are you raising this? But it was actually because I was the strongest in the class right. and I had the most to lose by, you know, not right. getting that, that, that attention. So, yeah, at that moment, sort of being in a boys' school, there was only one other girl there like me who'd elected to do A-levels there and then going on to read engineering at university where again I was the, I was the only woman in my right. in my class um, and you know with these captains of industry or sons of captains of industry who felt very entitled and there I was sort of I'm not quite sure why, but studying mechanical engineering, which I knew nothing about. Um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so definitely moments of, of, of self-doubt. But then you've just got to remember that you have, you, you can do these things. And actually believing that people do want to support you. There are those that don't want you to succeed, yeah. but there are plenty of people who do want you to succeed. You've got to find those people. Yeah. And it's funny, actually, because I, um, I met a girl from, from school who I hadn't seen since she left at 16. So, you know, sort of, wow, you yeah. know, sort of like close to 40 years. And, um, and, she, uh, and she said to me, I remember you acting at school. <laughs> and I suddenly thought, and she, she told me this whole story about this character that I'd played and how everyone had been so... And I was thinking, maybe I was... Maybe I made the wrong choice. <laughs> you know, like this, this, this woman to pop up and say, you know, yeah. of all the things that she remembered, she remembers me playing a character yeah. and improvising a character at school. I was like, how on earth has she remembered that yeah. for all this time? That's just, like, really freaky. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could be acting with Idris Elba right now. If only I know exactly. Exactly, it's just it was just a very funny moment, and I thought, thought, oh, maybe maybe I made the wrong decision. Mm. <laughs> Actual um, belief in self, the things that you're navigating, the conversations that having a network, all of those things really apply wherever you are. Yeah, you know. So there's there's who you are and your your. The support of your family and friends, like you, you could, you could have been phoning and saying, "I've got a part in a James Bond film. I don't feel ready." What you know? Yeah, absolutely. Just, you know, and then your friends are saying. <laughs> what are you talking about? Take it, you know. Just... I hadn't, you did say, you know, there'll be things that I hadn't thought about. Mm -hmm. I hadn't thought about, you know, I phoned friends and they didn't say, oh God, yeah, you're really over your head. Yeah. Yeah? They yeah. said, they, I mean, they didn't really say, oh, you'll fail. They said, go for it, you'll be fine. Yeah. But what's the, you know, like, but you'll regret it if you don't. And, and you're right, I hadn't really appreciated that I am, now whether, which comes first, you know, but I am surrounded by people who have that more positive go try it outlook yeah yeah so it reinforces the sort of when I have a positive thought or when I'm having a negative thought when I speak to them they're more likely to push me back into the positive territory than sort of go oh yeah and I remember at school there were way too many people who you know if you failed at something were very glad to sort of jump on that bandwagon yeah. and say oh well there you go you see yeah and, you know, now that I think about it, there have been times when I have made calls to friends and I guess they could have easily have said, you know, you're out of your depth, you're a fool, don't try. <laughs> but they didn't. They sort of supported me and, and I knew that if it didn't work, they would still feel the same way about me yeah. as well, which is also important. Yeah. If you're not loved at work, you can always be loved outside. Exactly. I always say it's just a job. And yet, you know, people will say that I work hard, I'm really committed, but I never lose that it's just a job. It isn't me. It doesn't define me. Mm. It's a large part of what I do every day. But yeah, there are, there are other things that are more important in terms of you know, what I think about myself day to day. Right. How many black women leaders are there in, in Barclays at your level, at MD level and above? I think 
there might be, because it changes a lot. <laughs> in the UK, I think it's me. There are, I think, two or three in, in Africa. Okay. So Barclays Africa. But I'm the only one running a, a, a P&L. Uh, so actually running a business. Yeah. So, you know, and, and that's the other thing that I see that happens a lot to, to, to women generally, that uh, women can get to senior levels and do get to senior levels, but often they get sort of pushed into a functional role. Mm-hmm. Absolutely no, nothing wrong with being in a functional role, but I would personally like to see more women actually being MDs of a business, CEOs of a business, right. and having end-to-end responsibility for you know, a company. Yeah. I think it's a, you know, it's, it's a great experience and it's a great leadership uh, opportunity. What's the impact on you? When, did it ever impact you? Do you ever think? Well, to my colour. Well, in that you're the only one after how many years? Like you're, like, I mean, it's because it's not just in Barclays, is it? I mean, if we look across other, the sector. Yeah. What it? bothers me about it is sometimes how other people react. So I, I remember I was at a meeting when I was at RBS with uh, Fred Goodwin. He was hosting an event, and it, it, was, a, it was more specifically about uh, gender diversity. But nonetheless, while I was there, we were sort of talking about, and I was sort of you know, taken along as an example. And the sort of reaction tends to be, oh, you, you, are, you are so special. And I was really irritated by that. It's not that I'm so special. Yes, I have some talents, but there are lots of women out there and lots right. of black women out there who could do my job easily. They just haven't necessarily had the same opportunity. Yeah. So, you know, I, 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 do, I do worry about people sort of putting it down to one or two, you know, extraordinary individuals. It, it shouldn't be about that. It, no. should be, it should be a much more, you know, it just happens and people don't think twice about it. But I can see all of the barriers that are there. And yes, I, I, I do think about it at, at times. And I often think, you know, do I need to be doing more? I've, I've got some, some black women on, on my team and I try to keep an eye out for them and, uh, you know, and hope that they'll continue to, to, to thrive in, in my organisation. Yeah. The talent that has existed, that does exist in different levels in the organisation is do they stay the course? Too, you know, do is there some point where they just think I'm I, I'm tired, I can't be bothered, or they think it's never going to happen, or I don't want to be the only one, or whatever that is. That so they, you know, so on the one hand, there's certainly the talent to do the job to to perform, but there is something missing on both sides. Yeah, on the environment and the organisation. But I'm curious about is what's missing on the side of the women who are in that workspace, who don't, who aren't able to kind of, more? yeah. And, and I'm not, it's not their fault, but it, there is something that if it was there, I think it might make a difference. So this, I'm looking for some patterns and some, mm. so what do you think it is? What is it about you? Because you are, the environment's the same and you're there yeah. and someone else is there. Yeah, no, that's a good point. What is it? I think it's about finding the people who want to support you. So, you know, knowing who they are, finding ways in which they can help you. I think it's about flexibility. I I do wonder sometimes whether I I picked some of it up from my engineering days when, you know, when you're the only woman, you learn to be flexible. You sort of, you know, you've got to get on with these guys. You're with them for four years. You know, you do need help every now and then with something. (laughs) And and, and how do you... and, And sort of being at ease with both asking for help but also being sort of part of part of that group and sometimes I, I, I find and this isn't specific to, to black women but I but I find that women get feedback about either you're sort of you're not vocal enough or now you're sort of aggressive etc and it's and the, the, the feedback I think is often wrong mm-hmm. the problem is you have to do something with it so it's not who you are but for whatever reason, it's the perception. And you can do the, look, they've got to deal with it, but you've also got to find ways in which you can get past that so people stop talking about the silly things that they see and really focus on, on, your, on your work. Right. So I guess what I've tried to do is to always focus people on my achievements, which I, I do find women perhaps sort of almost assume that it's known. Yes. And don't do as well as their male colleagues often at putting it out there. So, uh, for instance, um, one-to-one, sort of having that check-in with, with your boss, a lot of people run away from them because it's uncomfortable, yeah? But actually, I'm the seeker. 
of that experience. Right. Why? Because actually it's a two-way street. It's not just for him or her to give me feedback, but it's also for me to remind him or her as to what I've done for them recently. So I've had bosses that didn't want to give, not, not in a, a bad way, but mm-hmm. they're just really busy and they didn't want to necessarily sit down and, and create the time. But I've always found by getting really close to their PA or whatever, that I would find a way to make it work, get into their diary and have the opportunity, have an agenda and just make sure that, you know, when you leave, you've told them the things that you went in there to, to, to tell them, but also check in and make sure that what you think you're doing is coming across in the way that, uh, that you, that, that you had intended. Yeah, that's brilliant because when you, two, a couple of my clients, I've coached some women, le- women leaders predominantly, yeah. and a couple of my clients popped up when you spoke about that, whereas it, very recently I was saying, how often do you meet with your boss? And she said, you know, well, I'm su- supposed to meet with them once every couple of weeks, but to be honest, when they cancel, I'm quite pleased you know exactly I mean it's a natural reaction but it's not the right thing you know you need contact you need contact and then the second thing you said is about you know really letting them know what you're what you're working on working on and what difference you're making to the business yeah yeah. totally and then and and then you know because often they don't know or believe it or not how could this happen but somebody might be taking credit for your work yes Yes. (laughs) you know or suggesting they played a much bigger part and you can't go in and say well that person's been you know (laughs) so and so stealing my ideas but you can just go in and be very factual about this is what I've been working on this is what I think I've I've achieved this is where I think I'm going to go next so yeah that dialogue I think is 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 really really critical and guess what it builds a relationship and that's the other thing business yeah you know you you don't have to as you said your boss doesn't have to be your friend but it helps if they like you and <laughs> <laughs> you know so yeah they're not sort of like oh you know and, and obviously you can overdo the one-to-one yeah. thing you don't want them sort of running every time they see you coming but but equally it gives you a chance to spend a little bit of time on just general chit chat and that is something that I wasn't so good at before that I didn't put as much value on before but now I do realize that actually the five minutes or so of banter that I used to think you know was like my ruthless efficiency just get in get out is actually just as important as delivering the the other messages yeah it's the glue in the relationship isn't it it's the glue and letting that person know something more about you because again when someone comes and says oh, Paulette did this, or I don't like the way Paulette behaves, or, you know, the sorts of things. Because, you know, people are competitive. And I, I have actually come across colleagues who have seen that I've been doing well, and because they're competitive, have tried to, you know, put... put Derail. Yeah, exactly. Progress, you know, yeah. sort of, you know, sort of go for the image a little bit. But when people know you a bit more then they don't allow that to happen so easily. If you've given a little bit more of yourself, and it was something I never used to do. I was very private, but now, you know, not that I'm completely open book, But I do share more with with people a little bit about who I am, etc. And and it does get amazing results. People trust you more, want to work with you more, they're more loyal. It's incredible. So that's another thing around building relationships. And when you spoke about that... um, just now around your performance and you kind of managing your reputation really yeah. managing your image doctor there's a, uh, a, a consultant in the US Dr. Vanessa Weaver mm. and she created this model and she's done a lot of research on it it's called Pi yeah I'm actually surprised we got this far without me mentioning Pi because yeah. if you talk to people here They'll tell you that I talk about pie. It's so all, useful. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. So let's let's talk about what pie is because mm. it's a great model. And I talk about pie with my with my um, clients. Should I say it or she say it? You Would say you it, and then it? I'll uh, yeah. Because yeah, then you can talk about how you. I, I probably it. morphed it slightly into my own <laughs> version. So, so pie, great. So pie stands for performance, image, and exposure. Exactly. Right. And performance is what we call table stakes. It's what gets you in the door. You've got to yeah. have it in order to get anywhere. But what most, certainly women, do, and black women do, and people of yeah, is that 
focus on performance think yeah. if I just work really really hard then of course people will notice me mm. yeah course. exactly right. that's all it's about right. and it is about that performance but unfortunately there are other people doing lots of other stuff yes. as well that's Tense. getting them noticed so the second thing is your image your reputation which is your reputation how yeah. do you build your image and if you're not working your image someone else is working yeah will, will create it for you or you won't have one yeah it's kind exactly. of like someone else is creating it for you or you won't have one you do have to think a little bit proactively about the brand that you're you're trying to build right. absolutely right and yeah. exposure so that's one that i've always morphed i call it executive sponsorship but it's exactly the same thing but yeah. who's out there who is an influencer or decision maker who can have a, uh, who's rooting for you yeah 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 back so, to the networking so most people focus on p and totally forget about i and e or they focus on one of them but not the other so maybe yeah. it's perform performance and i and i am concerned about my reputation because i want to be seen as doing a good job and blah 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 but they're not concerned about exposure and building those relationships yeah. as someone speaking on your behalf as well as you getting into those places exactly. where you can be seen. And the thing that I've heard, and I hope I'm being true to the model, but mm. certainly has been proved out in, in life, is that, as you said, the P, because it's table stakes, if you were sort of thinking about what percentage of my you know, difference does it make, the P is almost like 10%, because it, it's, it's binary. It's either there or it's not. Once right. you're there, though, there's actually quite a few other people who are going to be performing in a zone yes. where it's enough to get them to the next role. The image is equally, uh, it, it is important, but sorry, not equally. It's even more important because right. actually before you want that promotion, people have got to be able to see you in that role. Um, and if you don't allow them to, to, to do that, if you're not operating at that level, then you, know, that you can be overlooked. And the exposure, depending on the industry, depending on the company, but that is really important. And that can also be putting your hand up for a challenging task, right. something that, you know, just sets you apart from, from everyone else. And I think on image, we used to have, when I was at GE, there were lots of debates about image and people used to boil it down to, you know, should I, should I wear a nose ring and can I show my tattoos and all this sort of stuff. And, and that does matter. But I have found that actually I've always been authentic in terms of I've not compromised who I think I am. Mm. Remember when I was at RBS, someone was writing an article about senior women in the organisation and they wrote an article about me and said that I was a surprisingly feminine, um, I was surprisingly feminine in my choice of wardrobe and I'd never really noticed right. that. But it was so funny that other people were kind of going, oh, you know, she's like, she's, wear, she's wearing a long split in that skirt. Right. So she was like, as long as I look professional, I can bring fashion or, you know, exactly. not so much today, but, you know, I can bring my personality in, in how I dress. But I did have one example where I said it was a, a woman um, working in my organization and mm -hmm. I'd set, sent her to a meeting on my behalf to, and she was really smart absolutely someone who should have been going places and she wore I won't go into details but she wore totally the wrong thing and when I went and spoke to the guys afterwards and asked for feedback all they focused on was what she was wearing they didn't hear her and I got back together with her talked to her about it and she was quite adamant of you know I wear what I want etc and I sort of said to her well, look you just got to decide though if what you're wearing mm. is so extreme that it takes the attention away from your exactly. amazing intellect to you know your belly button which was kind of where they were all focused then actually you know you're missing out exactly. and she changed her wardrobe again not too much just a little bit more conservative but she actually felt more professional more ready and people stopped looking at what she was wearing and listening to what she was saying yes yes because it's finding your self-expression in that workwear yeah is what I talk about when I'm working I'm with, with clients, you. Yeah. you know, so it, you don't have to go boring, you don't have to go dull, but you have to, as you said, if you're if the attention is, what the hell are you wearing? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which it is, you know, this, yeah. No, absolutely. And I've always enjoyed sort of adding a little something to, yes. to, to my workwear. And it is part of me. And it is part of that image, you yeah. know, that you, you are different. And you can use that difference to your advantage as well. Yeah. And it, it really speaks to, you know, when people ignore the brand, because the branding is everywhere, you know, then it's not really understanding the game that you're playing. 
like every there's every culture has its own game exactly. are you playing rugby or you're playing tennis yeah and everyone else is playing rugby and you're playing tennis then you can't win so it's, it's right. a really good way of putting it and the thing is that also when you start off you probably do get there because of performance because yeah. you're in a large pool some people aren't going to succeed and you get used to performance getting you so far but then if you really to your point you know if you want to be that senior business leader if you want to be the CEO of a bank where you know there are a number of women black women out there capable of doing that yeah but to get to that next level I think it, it does take a little bit of understanding the game understanding the culture that you're you're working in and realizing right. that just your performance isn't going to be yeah, enough I meet so many women who think it's their performance and then the work that we're doing is about being seen managing your, your image and you know this one I'll tell you one story so there's a story about you know there's a midriff but there's another one where <laughs> in a meeting the woman t- shows up and she's cold she gets out a blanket no <laughs> really she gets out a blanket well I admire and, her. and I think get yourself a lovely pashmina love yes exactly do you know what I mean like yeah. if you if you feel cold I always ask myself the question would a man get out a blanket and wrap it around him and I know. No, and that's the thing. And that's what some of the guys will say, won't they? When, when we as women complain and say, you know, we don't want to conform. And they'll say, but actually, you know, we don't normally want to wear this, you know, yeah. every time we come to work. Yeah. But, you know, men do conform. It may not be as much, uh, but they do conform yeah. to, to There's to a, a lot of them conforming, so it's not, it's not so obvious. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But they, yeah, on yeah. 90 degrees, do they want to wear a suit and a tie? Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. But they're not getting a, and at minus whatever, they're not getting a blanket out. <laughs> I mean, I just think I've like. I've heard that one before. So, That's yeah. Fabulous. So it's like there's so many quick wins out there. Yeah. Take the blanket away. Yeah. Get a beautiful pashmina. Yeah. Hide the midriff. Yeah. You know, like so. And some people, I know that some women go get issues around that. But it's like, what are you, what are you working on, and where do you want to be? Yeah. And so those things matter. So performance, image, and exposure absolutely matter. And the image can be diverse. It just has yes. to be within. You know, it's, it's the context where, where, where you work. It will be different in advertising than in banking, for exactly. example. So uh, I've just started to work in the beauty sector. And it's, and it's just so interesting. You walk into that. Now, the corporate headquarters looks the same. Right. You know, the right. big buildings, it's really like... But when you look at the dress, it's totally different. It's a different level of self-expression and what works then, who, who gets listened to. So if I rock up in your average kind of grey suit that you would find in a, maybe in a finance space and it's yeah. acceptable, yeah. they look like... <laughs> you know it's yeah. not gonna I'm not gonna be listened to in the same way and it matters or if, if I turn up in a pair of jeans for the first meeting it's like are you really a coach yeah, exactly. are you really a consultant yeah. so I'm managing that we're managing that wherever we are yeah and yeah. then the E as you said exposure and this is perhaps where I started with sort of talking about networking yeah so you know guys tend to do this men tend to do this a little bit better mm. you know they they do know who the key people are they have those offline conversations about sport or whatever it is and and as women we're a little reluctant sometimes to do it and as black women we may feel that we can't even relate really to to some of these people but you you just have to find a way yeah. and you know especially now I think the climate in many companies is is a lot better so at Barclays there's a lot of focus on gender diversity for example so there are leaders out there who are wanting to find the talented women and the talented right. women of colour who they can actually sponsor, etc. So, you know, why not be one of them? Yeah. I remember when I first started working, I mean, it was really, or when I did, I did an internship at the cabinet office when I was, oh, when wow. I was a student. And, and every Friday it was down the pub. I mean, mm, every, I, I mean, know. that pub culture, which is, is not as prominent as it was, but it's still there. There's still elements of going to those after work yeah, things. Yeah, no, it's true. That you need to find your... You need to. You need to find. You have to get the balance. Yeah. When you, you don't have to be there all the time, right. but you might want to go for a little bit. You know, and when you're there, even if you're there for a short time, make it count. Yeah. You know, chat to a few people, and then give your excuses and, and leave. I've never felt that I had to do exactly what everyone else was doing. Right. But you need to show that, if, if not through going down the pub in other ways, that you're actually interested in the people 
you know who are around you who who you who you work with i remember a, a job i had in the states the um the ceo of that business who i reported to he used to go to the gym every uh, every lunchtime and so most of my my peers who were mainly men they would all find themselves in the gym at the same time right. in the changing right. room and that was their moment to sort of have the offline you yeah. know michael etc and uh, and i used to say to him this is totally unfair <laughs> because i can't i can't hang out with you yeah. in, the, in, in the locker room as it were but you know i would find other opportunities when i could get to him and, yeah. and it was important to have that uh, that sort of informal time as well as the formal one-to-ones that i talked about earlier yes yeah, so you just have to get creative really you know the sports i'm not really a great follower of sport yeah no me neither so what i've done <laughs> is i make that when it comes up I start to talk about the fact that I'm not and you've missed me. Mm. So that means I'm in the conversation. It's like, particularly in America, Chicago Bears, Bulls, what's that? Basketball? (laughs) Are we talking about baseball? They're like, oh my God, it's so ridiculous, you know? And but I'm in. I am in the conversation yeah. versus standing outside saying I don't know what they're talking about. Exactly. Yeah, so that's how I found my way. I joke about the fact that I don't know what you're talking about, yeah. and then I'm in. I'm the same. I right. always joke about that. I had no clue half the time what people were talking about, or I would find ways to bring something that I was interested in. You know, I don't know their uniforms or the latest good-looking guy, or yeah. you know something else right. that I could bring in. Which you know, and it's a good test of your colleagues as well if they want to include you. They will. They, they, they will. They'll, uh, they'll follow your lead. Yeah. 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 So there's been so many, so many great kind of tips that you've given. More than tips. I don't want to, because it belittles <laughs> it when I, when I say tips. No, but it's They're the like little things sometimes. They're like guiding principles, yeah. really. Yeah. As, uh, you know, because if things that you use over and over again that you've go to, your go-tos that have, mm. that, what's the word? It's like your map. Let's, yeah. let's come back to the kind of yeah. the, the, the like a map that guides you in the, the decisions that you're making or how you're navigating the environments and so on. But if you had to like come down to three, or if you had to, oh no no, how about how about if you had to go back to the Paulette yes. years ago? I do love this question. It's an Oprah question, and I'm going to completely steal it. And I'm saying, <laughs> um, what's the advice that you would give to Paulette? as a younger Paulette? Oh, gosh, a younger Paulette, what advice I would give? I would probably say take, take a few more risks because, you know, back to your definition of success, uh, although I feel I've been successful and I'm very happy with my life, there are times that I think, actually, I did hold myself, even I held mm. myself back at times and didn't dream big enough. Yeah. And taken a little bit more risk. So I'd probably say take, take the risk, you know, jump in a, a, a little bit more. Um, I would say that, you know, the getting to know people and taking that little extra time at Christmas or, you know, whenever it is, like I'm, I'm usually pretty good at, you may not hear from me forever, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but at Christmas I try to remember to send at least an email yeah. just to keep in touch with people. I think that's actually been something that's been very useful. And as I said, it's been quite incredible at times where it's, it's, come in and, and, and been helpful have been really really useful just having that network even if it's just a brainstorm with people in terms right. of what next etc um, and I think just that that self-belief don't lose that mm. let that be your anchor and whoever gives that to you helps you um, maintain it keep those people close yeah yeah that's great that's great I love the risk the risk piece yes you know because the because I one thing I heard recently is it's in the not taking risks that's risky. Yeah, exactly. In our career. It's amazing how we much you can recover. Cautious. You can recover. Yeah. And I think, uh, and I, you know, and we've not talked about the bad things that have happened in my career. There have been bad things that have happened and things that I wish had gone better. Um, but it is amazing how you recover. You can bounce back. Mm, mm. Well, yeah, I suppose we haven't focused on anything that's that wrong. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's been the flavor, it is the flavor that is, I think. Maybe it speaks to the positivity. Do you know what I mean? It speaks to who ways, yeah. you are yeah. that we haven't veered into the darker places, the dark side <laughs> of our work. Of work, yeah. there are. But it's how who are you when those dark things show up? And there's yeah. a real positive energy. You surround yourself with positive people. Pie. It's been, and, it's, and that model is such a positive model. When I was working in France, I had a female boss who was Egyptian. 
And she and I ended up going to negotiate a deal, which was quite important for the, the, the company. And we were supposed to go back, and it was the last meeting, and it was with the, the board of this company. And the morning of the presentation, she said to me, um, I'm thinking about this, this, this pitch. You know, it's really important that we, we win this one. And I said, yes, absolutely. And she said, you know, we, we're in France. Um, neither of us are French, and uh, we're both women. And I thought maybe I should take one of our French colleagues, one of one of the men, along because they're going to respond better to one of their own. And I said, okay, yeah, you know, I'll sort of take one for the team. I understand, and put the phone down, and had that sort of sinking feeling of, okay, you know, I I get it the audience we're dealing with, they're going to respond to a native French man versus Samira and I pitching up together. And then the phone rang again. It was Samira back on the phone, and she sort of said, oh, my God, I can't believe that we almost did that to ourselves. You know, of if we don't believe that we can go in there and get that deal regardless of the fact that we're not male, we're not French right. or whatever, and we're, we're, we're black, if you like, then... Why should we expect anyone else? Why should we expect anyone else? Exactly. Oh, my God, it's, like, so close. It was so close. So and we went close. in and we did a brilliant job, you know? And, yeah. And, and, that, and that was the reassurance that we needed. And, again, it's that negative of you almost put yourself, oh, those people won't buy from us because we're different. But right. they, they bought from us because we were good. Yeah, and you delivered what they wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And it really, un- it also underestimates, one of the moments when you underestimate others, you know, like, there's the, because there is that conversation that's out there, do we internalise it? But do we also underestimate that they, who are they? Like, you didn't even know them, right? Yeah, but you're exactly. putting that yeah. on them. Yeah, that they couldn't see past our colour, right. they couldn't see past our nationality. Right. right, Yeah, and like they're not really interested in what you have to say beyond that. Mm. That is such a great example. I mean, there's so many when we're in our own way. Yeah, exactly. And in some ways, if I hadn't gone to that presentation, I might have always had that feeling of not being quite good enough right. to, you know, to have won that one, whereas actually... We were capable. Yeah, yeah. More than capable. Yeah. Yeah, but I <laughs> Paulette, you know, I feel like... I'm so... I feel so privileged to have met you, oh, you know? My. No, seriously. <laughs> no, seriously. Because it's clear to, that, you know, who you've shown up to be in this interview is clear to me why you are where you are. Oh, really? That's very nice you know, of you to say You know, it really that. is. And... And, and whatever there's that internal that your internal kind of like going beyond yourself and mm. your, those limits that we could put on ourselves and you've got your network and there's things that you've put in place that has it work and then you're obviously great at what you do because otherwise you would not be here no. and then knowing that and it does matter at the moment you are like one or three mm. which is crazy and my commitment is trying to figure out how we do better at that, how we do better at that. And some of that, what you've spoken about, is like we get ourselves out of our own way first. We need to do that work and then we take care of that because we can't always take care of the other thing. Yeah, yeah. We can certainly take care of that. And when we take care of that, what we'll find is certainly not everybody. And as I said, we haven't talked about, you know, of course I've had moments where I've thought, hang on a moment, you know, my colour, my gender is what's getting in the way there. But... I've, I've had many more moments where people have said, great, come along. Yeah. We're going to take you on this journey. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think when you solve it for yourself, you'll be surprised how many people are there way, ready to, to give you that to opportunity. To support you. And a, yeah. Yeah. Oh, can we stay in touch? <laughs> of course, yes. Oh, it's so wonderful to meet you. It's just like, yeah, amazing. What a great interview. Okay, thank you so well, thank much. You. Thank you, Paulette, for your wisdom in this episode of She's Got Drive. The reminders of the importance of networking and expanding your network are so important. Our ability to go beyond our comfort zone, to expand the number of people that are that we're, we're meeting, that we're seeing, that we're connecting with is so critical. 
also I really appreciated your sharing about the impact that PI that model PIE performance image and exposure has had on you in your career and that you share it around when you're mentoring others as well it's so important that it's prompted me to plan a future episode where we can delve a bit more deeper into Pi. And I'm going to invite a friend, a dear friend and colleague of mine who has run Pi sessions for many, at many organizations before to come on and, and share with us a little bit more about what is the model, how does it work and how we can learn to develop the skill set to apply it in our own lives so i'm going to have that as a future episode to look out for that so thank you paulette for prompting that i hope that you've been inspired to shift gears in your own life of all that was shared what is the one or two things that you are walking away with that you can action this week what is the thing that you had an insight think oh gosh i do that or that would be amazing if i could just take that on why don't you try it why don't you try it this week if you have a light bulb moment don't allow the light to go out the next thing to do is to take an action i'd love to hear what you're taking on go to my page on shirleymcalpine.com and leave comments there i do read them all she's got drive is produced by cassandra voltolina music by the awesome or female band blonde if you want to connect with me online follow me on instagram at shirley mcalpine consulting you can find me on twitter at shirley mcalpine and she's got drive facebook page if you love the show i would love for you to subscribe and that means that you can get automatically into your inbox as soon as not inbox apologies automatically into your device as soon as we publish an episode i'd also love you to leave a review if you're feeling it too and sign up on my website on shirleymcalpine.com and you can get a free download of my ebook how to be a woman with drive thank you again i appreciate you listening go well and stay well